everybody, Darren Garman here, and welcome to the Heartland Multifamily Show, the place, the place for all things multifamily. And I'm excited about this episode because we are really going to be pulling the curtain back with our special guest, Madison Mishak. Madison, how are you? Good. Thanks for having me. I am really looking forward to having a deep conversation with you, um, not only because we're in the multifamily business together, but what many people don't know, but they'll discover now, is that you are my daughter, too. Mm -hmm. You're my daughter. So not only are you in the multifamily business working with me, uh, you're my daughter, too. So the perspective that you've got here on a few things I think can be pretty valuable to uh, a lot of folks that are watching or listening, because we're going to cover a few bases that I think are going to be um, are going to be pretty um, pretty insightful on this episode, and only you, I think, can provide you know some of that insight uh, versus maybe having you know somebody else here. So I'm looking forward to uh, picking your brain, Madison, on some of the things that we're going to cover. Now, before we get into the podcast and the content today. Uh, just a couple of quick things. Number one, if what we talk about here on the podcast resonates with you, make sure that you leave your comments below. We'd like to have some dialogue with you regarding that. So make sure you do that. Uh, and then secondly, click that subscribe button. Make sure you don't miss out on any future episodes of the Heartland Multifamily Show. And of course, make sure you get super fast access to past episodes there's some pretty good content uh, there with, uh, with those episodes. Welcome to the Heartland Multifamily Show, the shorter, more profitable path to multifamily ownership and investing. All right, so it's time to pick your brain. Madison, it's time to pick your brain. So before we do that, why don't you give just a little bit of background about you, I mean, you're my daughter. We've obviously talked about that. Uh, why don't you? Why don't you start with um, getting into the multifamily business uh, with uh, with the old man? Kind of how that started and how that evolved. Why don't you start there? Mm -hmm. Sure. So, about a year after I graduated college, um, I came on with one property management as a leasing agent. Mm -hmm. um, I did that for about a year. I really enjoyed it. Um, I moved out of town then for about a year. Mm -hmm. Didn't do anything, you know, with management or um, multifamily. Then I returned home. Um, and have been working with you ever since. So I started, as I said before, as a leasing agent. Um, when I returned home, um, I was a leasing agent for a little bit, and then I became a property manager um, for about three years. Mm -hmm. I was a property manager um, at a HUD housing complex. Mm -hmm. um, and then after that, I became regional manager um, just overseeing all the managers, and I've been in this position for a little over two years. I think. Okay, let's 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 back up because um, let's go chronologically, just for the you know just for the sake of folks watching and listening in terms of how long are we talking about. So go back in years with what you talked about. You basically went from 
We started you as a leasing agent with our management company. Mm-hmm. And then you had some things going on that you uh, you moved and you were away for about a year. Mm-hmm. Then you came back and then started managing one of our uh, apartment communities at the time. Did that for a while and then you're basically in a position of being more more of a regional manager of our stuff. Okay, so kind of go over chronologically time-wise when, how that was and kind of how that played out in terms of years. Was that one year ago, five years ago? How many years are we talking about here? Total that I've been doing it? Yeah, or? so how many years ago were you a leasing agent? Oh, um, now probably six or seven, seven years ago. Okay, so let's say seven years ago we started you as a leasing agent, mm-hmm. okay? Then you did that for about a year. Yeah. Then you came. Then then you uh, then you moved away for about a year. Yeah. Then you came back and worked as a property manager for us at one of our um, uh, one of our HUD apartment communities, right? How long were you doing that? Three years. Three years. Almost three years. Three yeah. years. And then you went from overseeing that community on your own to really being a regional manager. Mm-hmm. So if I do the math, help me out here. Make sure my math is right. We started you as a leasing agent for one year. Then you came in as a manager of a HUD, 100-unit HUD apartment community for about three years. Mm-hmm. And then for another two and a half, three years, you've been a regional manager. Yep. Is that right? Okay. All right. So why why do I go through why do I go through the you know the methodical process of laying that out? Because one of the more important things I think that you've got to know and understand anytime. Um, and I've said this on previous podcasts before um, and in some interviews too. Uh, one of the things that you want to make sure that you don't do when you are bringing somebody into a business, especially if it's your own business, and they are either a relative or a friend, is you don't want to be putting them in a position of automatic authority and power like right away. Okay, so that's like a bad idea. So, you know, bringing you, so imagine if I would have brought you in and you would have been a regional manager over everything, over all of the other managers, all of our other, you know, employees. I mean, it would have been a recipe for disaster, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, not only in terms of your inexperience, right, but also in terms of the morale and the culture of the company you know, people sitting back and wondering, well, wait a minute, I've been here for, you know, nine years, 12 years, 13 years. Madison just comes in, you know, she moves to town and she's already way up here. She hasn't really done anything. She hasn't earned her, you know, they call it in the military, earned your stripes. She hasn't earned her stripes yet. And and here I am, I've earned my stripes. And so that's obviously, I think, a bad idea, but I see it happen all the time. I see business owners, especially with their kids, uh, bring their kids in, and all of a sudden they're planning them right away in a significant position of authority, of control, and even though prior to that they may demonstrate, I mean, when you came in, Madison, uh, you were obviously smart, you're motivated, you mean, you it wasn't like you came in blindfolded, you knew some things that were going on. Um, but to have you come in without having that prior experience too would have been a mistake. And I see that happen all the time. Um, and so I want to make sure that we, 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 uh, take a little bit of time to share that 
with uh, with our viewers and our listeners, it's a, that's a bad idea when you do it. It's not only it's not only not really fair to all of your other employees that you got, but I don't think it would be fair to you either, knowing what you know now. Yeah. Would you Would you agree with that or yeah. no? Yeah, I definitely agree. I think it would have been very tough to be put in that position with no experience, especially, like you said, knowing what I know now, it, I wouldn't have felt like I brought much to the table right away. Yeah, and I think the problem that people like us have and by us, I mean, you know, like business leaders, when we bring somebody in like you that we obviously know very well, we tend to think that they know what we know. So, you know, we tend to think, well, they've been around us. They, they know what we do, how we do it. So they should pretty much kind of know, for the most part, what we know. And um, and that's definitely, definitely not the case. Okay, so... So let's talk about that for a second, Madison. So you come in, we start you out as a uh, leasing agent, mm -hmm. all right? Talk about what that was like a little bit. What was it like as a leasing agent? You know, talk a little bit about what were some of your responsibilities and and kind of what was that like understanding and learning uh, multifamily and, and kind of what goes on on a daily cares of operating a multifamily business. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, um, I really enjoyed it. It was a lot different um, than I thought it was gonna be. Mm -hmm. I think just because, you know, you have an idea of what you think something's gonna be and you get in it and you do it every day and it's a little bit different. Um, I really enjoyed it. I basically just worked with prospects, obtaining prospects, um, then showing them units. Um, the goal, of course, was to rent out that unit. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite things about that time period was kind of the competitive side that our company had. So we had several leasing agents at that time. Um, and, you know, we had a big whiteboard. You remember that? Mm -hmm. And we um, our, our as leasing agents, our goal was to, of course, sign as many leases as we possibly could. And when you got a deposit on a unit, you know, you put your name next to that that mm -hmm. unit on the whiteboard and whoever had that many de deposits each month, you know, was the winner. And um, I just remember it being a, a fun competitive time. Um, but of course I learned a lot with um, residents, mm -hmm. how to interact with them, the rapport you should have with them. Um, I mean, I feel like I learned so much in that short period of time, just kind of being thrown in. And, you know, it was one of my first jobs out of college. So that's mm -hmm. an experience in mm -hmm. itself. Yeah. Um, but I think that first year I learned a lot, especially just working so closely with prospects and residents, which I don't do as much anymore mm -hmm. now. But so. yeah. So, it, I mean, it, I, it sounds like it built a pretty good uh, foundation mm -hmm. for you to... Uh, you know, not only know the business better, know what's going on, but again, foundationally, knowing what you know now, having done that, mm -hmm. you are better able to make the kind of decisions uh, regarding, you know, all kinds of facets of management that we deal with at our properties um, on a daily basis. Just think if you didn't go through that and didn't have that experience, and the kind of, I mean, we were we were dealing with stuff this morning, and I know you were dealing with it more than I was. I mean, there were some things going on this morning that we were talking about that um, just think if you wouldn't have had that experience, mm -hmm. 
you would not be near nearly as effective doing what you do without being able, without having done that, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, okay. So then, so you were leasing agent for a while. You're running around. You're doing all these kinds of things, trying to lease apartments all over the place, and talking to prospects, qualifying prospects, selling units, getting people into units, mm-hmm. um, and, and doing all of that. Then you um, you come back. You you leave for about a year, so you had to move. Um, you come back, and a year later, now you're managing your own apartment community. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now you're juggling a whole bunch of balls yeah. up in the air, right? Mm-hmm. Doing that. So talk a little bit about now managing your own uh, 100 unit apartment community. Talk a little bit about that. Oh boy. <laughs> As some of you, quite quite a change from yeah. being leasing. Okay, so talk about yep. that. We'll talk about that a little bit. And I think specifically because of the type of property it is, um, I worked at a HUD housing complex. All right. Let me big. interrupt you for a second because yep. some people might not know what that is. Yep. So, um, with a HUD project based property, what that means is, um, and interject anytime here, mm-hmm. all of the residents that live there are on some kind of assistance, some kind of housing assistance. All 100 residents are receiving some kind of housing assistance. As a matter of fact, we can't accept residents there that are not on any kind of assistance, more than likely. Am I right about that? Yeah. Besides once they move in, they're able to okay. qualify. Yeah. yeah. So you're either, to live there, you, you're on some kind of assistance, and that's ongoing with every resident of the 100-unit apartment community. So you've got all of that going on. Okay, so Matt, go ahead. Talk yep. about that. So <clears throat> to be honest, I think that this was the perfect property for me to go into originally because I think I learned so much. Um, the type of property property it is, the residents that were there where I worked, it was 85% African. So a lot of them didn't speak English. Mm-hmm. So not only are you dealing with language barriers, you're dealing with low income, you're dealing with the police, you're dealing with so many different aspects. And this is all, of course, on top of the leasing, mm-hmm. you know, duties that I had previously to try and rent apartments, um, you know, get deposits on apartments. It works a little different in HUD, but same idea. Um, and so I think at this point, you know, you're really making those big decisions and you're making the decisions for the property in kind of every aspect. Um, and so I think all of the things that I encountered, I mean, I could sit here and tell stories for days about, you know, crazy things that I've seen, witnessed, um, yeah, we, had we to got, deal you with. Yeah, we got like four hours of, yeah. and that really wouldn't even mm-hmm. cover it. No, <laughs> but I think that um, having being thrown in there and having to kind of work through through those things and figure some of those yeah. things out and mm-hmm. trying to find what the best way, you know, to go about it. And I think it really, really helped me um, similar to before where I think the leasing agent was a great foundation for me to kind of then go to property management mm-hmm. um, being a property manager at the HUD housing complex, I feel like has, helped me and has been a great foundation, you know, for the position that I'm in sure. now. Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, it was, uh, definitely a tough experience, but I, I'm very, I enjoyed all of it. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's hard. Uh, you've got to be very good, um, a very good communicator mm-hmm. and very good with rapport, uh, with residents and not only that, but with all the other things that kind of orbit, 
all of that with residents and, and other things from uh, G's food pantry stuff. Um, you mentioned law enforcement's there from time to time dealing with things and all kinds of maintenance requests and work orders and you got the language barriers and, and you got all the, oh and, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So I can see how it could probably be a little bit overwhelming and I bet it probably was at times. It was a little overwhelming sometimes? Yeah, definitely was. Yeah. But I mean, it, I, I really enjoyed it. So what was, when, when, when you think about that, because I can see how that would be really overwhelming. How would you decide to prioritize things? So what what was your what's your decision making process going through running a 100 unit apartment community with all of those things going on? What's your process in terms of prioritizing things so that I mean, look, we all feel overwhelmed from time to time, no matter what. Um, so how do you, how did you deal with that in terms of prioritizing what you're going to be doing? Well, I think there was kind of two, I kind of looked at it in two separate ways. So um, deadlines for HUD, of Mm -hmm. course, are one thing. So any deadlines that I had to meet with paperwork um, was of high importance. And then I kind of also, then the management side of it, I kind of looked at it from the HUD side of the paperwork and the management side. The management side, how I prioritized it um, was, of course, if anything urgent were to take place such as police or mm-hmm. anything of that of course that was you know my number one attention to um help resolve any issue that was going on there um but i think for the most part for me it was just really you know this might sound simple but using my outlook calendar and having everything you know written out and specified what I was going to do mm-hmm. that day um, from things that had to be done according to HUD. Um, and besides that priority of office work or you know catching up with some residents, um, maintenance, I mean, I don't know yeah. specifics. Yeah, but, but I, well, I mean, so you, but but you, your process was basically kind of a two-step process, two, right? Yeah. So it doesn't become such a smothering overwhelming you yep. basically broke it down into smaller parts and then worked on the smaller parts would that mm-hmm. be would that and it be could accurate? easily easily become you know very overwhelming and if yeah. you've worked at a property like that you understand if you haven't it's very hard to understand um you know i, I think sometimes people think oh a hud property oh it's you know it's not a big deal what's mm-hmm. a, a ton goes into it um so i think just not getting so overwhelmed and just spacing things throughout the month and putting those on my calendar and knowing what I had to get done by the end of the month or, you know, what was a priority that week um, really helped me to not, you know, get overwhelmed for one day. Right. So. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, that, that, that makes total sense. And it's a lot easier. Uh, just think if you wouldn't have had that um, leasing agent experience up to that point, that probably would have been a little bit, a little bit more difficult to kind of throw you into that situation um but specifically sorry to interrupt you specifically dealing with residents i think i think i learned a lot dealing with difficult people Mm -hmm. or difficult situations while i was a leasing agent and so that really then helped me transition um to you know the platform of hud and the next level of kind of that difficulty that you encounter so yeah and then so so then you transition from that to 
um, to regional managers. So you're basically managing and overseeing the management teams at our properties. Mm -hmm. um, talk a little bit about that transition and, and how that's different. Maybe it's not so different than what you were doing. Um, talk about how maybe that might be different and does that set up a little bit different priority process for you? Yeah, so I think it's a lot different okay. um, compared to, you know, the HUD housing property management position. Um, I think that for me, it really, with the property, man with the HUD position specifically, it was a lot of HUD paperwork and HUD focused things. Well, that's our only HUD property that we have. So when I switched to the management position, it was kind of like re-jogging my brain. Okay, back to a quote-unquote normal property, mm -hmm. which I just mean doesn't have HUD guidelines or HUD anything required, no assistance. Um, so I think for the first couple months, it was just kind of getting back into what I was used to with that leasing agent role, kind mm -hmm. of, of just the um, normal properties that we manage. Um and I think for priority, um, now, you know, I have to look at the big picture. It's not like your focus is just on one property specifically. Mm -hmm. Now you're juggling, you know, 20 plus properties. Um, so I think when it comes to priority, now I just really look at um, everything as a whole. So, I mean, for example, you know, I work on our websites, I work mm -hmm. on our marketing, mm -hmm. um, I make sure that all of our policies and procedures and everything that our management team is doing is all the same and that all of our policies are up to date and we're all on the same page with everything. Um, I think it's just really going from kind of being in it at one property, mm -hmm. focusing on one property, to now kind of looking at it from the outside and seeing everything as a whole and what we can do better or what we can do to make things better as a whole, as a company. Right. Yeah. Make, that makes sense. But it's what, what you've done, which I think is, is pretty good. And I got, I got one more, I think kind of important question. You you've taken the evolution and you've really leveled up to what the responsibilities require, right? Mm -hmm. Time requirement um, and responsibility requirement uh, because now, like you said, it's not just back to your leasing agent days where you're you know, focusing on leasing units and qualifying residents. Now you're dealing with all these other things, the marketing, the websites, um, you know, team meetings. Um, I mean, you name it, you're dealing with all of that stuff now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So continuing to go through that, which brings me to this question for you. Mm -hmm. um, so the question is, a lot of multifamily owners, operators, uh, they tend to focus on transactions, which is actually good because you want to be focusing on transactions. I'm talking about buying transactions or selling transactions, okay? So you want to be focusing on buying the next property, <clears throat> looking for the next acquisition. You always want to have that in place and that in process so you can continue, if that's what you want, continue to grow the empire, right? So what a lot of people in, in that position do is they get focused on the transaction. You know, you know a real estate transaction. It takes time, a lot of effort, a lot of energy. It could be months and months and months. And then finally, operators and investors do that I see is because of so much time, effort, energy, and work, they think they're done now. Okay, we're done. 
oh, let's celebrate. Let's uh, let's party. Let's celebrate. We got this thing closed, which is great. You want to do a little bit of that. But talk about next, because now the real work starts. Mm -hmm. Now the real work starts. All right, we're going to take a quick break. I hope you're enjoying this episode. I'm going to be having a free webinar coming up. The link's below on how to correctly and with low risk invest your IRA or 401k in really good multifamily properties. A majority of our investors do this. I do this personally. It's not illegal. Make sure you click the link below. We'd love to have you. All right, Mads, let me kind of ask like, like a last question of you. Um, that by the way, this has been really good, so thanks. But a lot of times, so here's my question. Let me, let me, it's gonna be kind of long, but here it comes. A lot of times owners like uh, me, investors like me, especially when we're focused on growing the empire, we wanna keep making acquisitions and buying stuff. A lot of times we focus on buying and then we're done. So in other words, sometimes when you work on that next acquisition, months, sometimes maybe even over a year, you're working on an acquisition, boom, you're finally done, you've purchased that property. Now a lot of folks in our shoes, oh, it's over with. Let's party, let's celebrate, we're done, we bought it, we're done. Well, you're really only just beginning because now all of the success that you think you're going to have or that you're projecting you're going to have with that property is gonna be based on what, Madison, what do you think? Qualified residents. And what kind of work to the property in terms of management? Management, right? Yeah. Management. It's going to be based on how well are you going to manage the property. Because mm -hmm. if you manage the property in a poor way, you're going to get poor results and the value is going to go down. But if you manage it great, the value is going to go up. So talk about maybe the top two or three things that you do as a um, regional manager mm -hmm. to make sure that your managers on site are working on doing to make sure that the property is going to continue to do well. Because if you get that management part screwed up, it can be a really, really big problem. So talk about what you do, maybe, maybe two or three things that you talk to your managers about doing to make sure that the properties operate as good and as profitably and increase in value as much as possible. So I know I mentioned qualified residents um, in the beginning or a little bit ago, but I think that is one of the most important things. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is getting someone um, to rent one of your units that is not qualified, whether that's with their criminal background, okay. their credit score, okay. um, you know, their eviction history or their history in general of non-payments, um, those type of things. If you allow residents like that into your properties, then you basically are spending that time, effort and energy getting rent from them, you know, maybe, getting, maybe, maybe getting, yeah, right. Getting, um, giving lease violations due to their criminal mm -hmm history or their criminal background, mm -hmm. you know, their friends are over hanging out, they're bothering the other residents. Um, I mean, at that point, it truly becomes a babysitting job. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's our number one thing that, or 
one of our number one things that we really harp on and the importance of is getting qualified residents into our properties because once you have someone that's a great resident it's a little bit hands off and what i mean by that is they're going to most likely leave the unit in good condition right mm -hmm. they're not really going to have that many work orders so your maintenance aren't spending all of their time you know going into their units um disturbances aren't going to happen it's it's almost like a snowball effect once you get someone in there that isn't qualified. Now you're wasting your time, mm -hmm. energy, and resources on them. Mm -hmm. um, so that's an important, a, a very important thing that we make sure that right. is. Let me interrupt you there because yeah. it's really important. So, um, what what I think you you find based on you know what what you tell me is, um, you are pretty much what your track record in history are. So in other words, if you're someone that is continually causing trouble with, with, with the law, police, if you are someone that continually pays late, if you're someone that's evicted consistently, if you're someone that continues to have issues and problems, if that's what really what your results are for years, that's probably what's going to happen if, if, if you lease an apartment to that person, it's just going to continue. So rather than just putting somebody into an apartment just to say it's occupied, you're saying, look, if you want to be smart about this, you've got to make sure that you qualify your residents so their track record isn't such that once they're going to rent an apartment from you, you're not going to have to spend all of that time, staff, energy, money, etc., on them. There's never a guarantee, yeah, of course. Someone but, could qualify, and we right. still have issues. Of okay, course, so but. so you got you got qualified residents. We want to get qualified folks living in our rental units. What are maybe one or two other things that you think are important to make sure that the property is continuing to operate as profitably and as effectively as possible? Well. I think something that more recently we've really focused on is having the managers um, be aware and in tune of the numbers. Okay, knowing your numbers. Yep. Awesome. And what we mean by that is, you know, the managers knowing um, all of the information in the budgets, what that consists of, um, what they should be spending each month on floor covering, painting, turning units, office supplies, all those factors. Um, I think that that is very, very important for um, managers and maintenance, anyone that's really, of course, managers more, but maintenance needs to be aware of it also. Knowing or having an idea of, um, you know, where we should be at budget-wise mm -hmm. is, is very important. And I think we've learned over the years um, where we maybe didn't, not enforce, but didn't go over that as in detailed with the managers um, and we're surprised, you know, how, how many of them don't know some of the things right. that we thought they did. You think they would know, mm -hmm. but you, yeah, I got it. I so I think it. that, um, that has been very helpful for us is just having everyone, um, in touch with, with the numbers and having yeah. an idea of, you know, what to do with that. I think that's huge. I think that, um, out of, out of what we've talked about in regards to importance, you've hit, you've hit upon the two most important things. Yeah, we can talk about um, maintenance and making sure the property's in good condition and well-maintained and, and, and all those things and amenities and all that, and all that's important. But 
where I think the rubber meets the road is the two things that you mentioned. Number one is you've got to have residents there occupying and renting your apartments that are going to be good residents. They're going to be good residents. And that's not, I mean, I'll think we're asking for too much. We want good residents. That's number one. But number two is once you've got that locked in, you've got to know your numbers. Because if you have good residents, but you don't know your numbers, you're not able to manage at all effectively. And you are just by extension, not being responsible in terms of operating a business if you don't really know your numbers. And really that's what you expect out of your managers, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so Mads, this has, been, this has been really good. I appreciate your insight. Mm -hmm. um, let's go ahead and let's wrap this episode up. Okay. Let me ask you just one, one final question. What's the biggest thing that you think, okay, so someone that's watching or listening to this episode, they're thinking about maybe um, being, maybe getting into the property management side of things. Um, maybe they're managing a property and they want to maybe be a little bit better at that, or they want they want to really get to the next level of property management and because of how important it is. So what advice would you give to someone that's thinking about either getting into property management, okay, running the day-to-day -day stuff, or maybe wants to get better at the property management side of things? Oh boy. Um, I don't know if this is specifically advice, but while I think about the advice part, one thing I wanna mention is, is you're always learning yeah. no matter what. Mm -hmm. So I think um, if you dive into it, you know, you're not going to know right away. It, it, it's based upon experiences and kind of what you go through throughout that process and how you learn from all of that. Um, because even, you know, seven years later, there's still situations that a manager might call me about that I'm like, we've never dealt with this before. What the mm -hmm. heck? You know, just something weird. So there's always new things and you're going to always encounter new things. Um, and I think that is why I also enjoy it because it's not necessarily like a cookie cutter, you know, job. Yep, got um, it. it's definitely every day is going to be completely different. Yep. Um, and you're not necessarily going to know exactly what to do until you go kind of through that experience. Mm -hmm. And then you can say, mm -hmm. okay, was that the right choice to make? Yep. Or was that the wrong choice to make? Because you'll know after if it's the right choice or the wrong choice, and then it's going to happen again. So then kind of just learning that way of kind of going through um, an experience, you know, figuring out what you could have done better, what you could have not done again. And then taking that and moving forward, I really think is just, the best piece of advice because it's just new things kind of ha come up and happen every day in this field. So, yeah, I think, I think that's great advice. Um, I mean, you always be learning mm -hmm. and always be open to, um, you know, taking advantage of those opportunities when they come up to learn because there's really no, there's really no substitute for the experience and learning through it. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could read a whole bunch of books on property management and, and take a whole bunch of courses, but that... until you're actually in it, mm -hmm. um, that's really where that's really where you gain the the, the needed experience and knowledge, right? Mm -hmm. Awesome. Um, well, Mads, thanks for being on this episode. This has been very insightful. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people, you know, ask about multifamily, want to get involved in multifamily. If they own multifamily now, they want to own, you know, how do I own more? 
And, and a key to all of that growing and all that success at the end of the day is actually property management. Because if you don't get that part figured out and going as well as it can go, you can be great at all the other stuff, but if that part does not fit together, um, you know, hand in glove kind of thing, uh, then it multifamily will not be the kind of investment or the kind of business that you that you ultimately thought it could be. So Mads, thank you very much. This has been the Heartland Multifamily Show again. Um, appreciate hearing your comments. If what we talked about on this episode resonates with you, leave your comments below, click that subscribe button, and we will talk to you later. Bye-bye.